Hey guys, it's Aria, and welcome to another episode of Fembolden. This week, Caitlin and I will be interviewing the intelligent, inspirational, and involved Rhea Goyle. We are beyond excited to chat with her today. She is so amazing. So, Rhea, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. So, hi everyone. My name is Rhea, and um, I do a lot. I mean, I would describe myself as an intersectional feminist and an organizer for change. But beyond that, I'm a working group on girls, girl advocate. I was a teen advisor for Girl Up, a UN foundation initiative um, last year. And um, so that's kind of like my work with girls. Um, And then I also... um, work on some environmental stuff. So I used to be the policy director and research director at the New Jersey Student Climate Advocate. So um, definitely environmentalism is close to my heart. And beyond that, I also work with racial justice and racial inequity. Um, and I started a kind of nonprofit on Instagram, Asians Lead. So um, we definitely want to re redefine, inspire, create, and educate, and really just um, tell everyone what the Asian narrative is and inform everyone of, um, you know, how to come together as a human race. That's really admirable and inspiring. We are so inspired by everything that you do. So many people have different definitions of activism. Can you tell us what activism means to you? Definitely. I mean, I think activism is just the ability to want to make change and to start to make change. Activism means different things to every everyone, you know, like you said. And, um, you know, it could mean organizing a protest or it could also mean going to a town hall meeting and educating your community about what matters to you. So to me, it's all about just understanding that this is an issue or whatever issue you're passionate about and identifying that and then taking steps to make change. Yeah, I think that's such an an amazing and interesting way um, and perspective to define activism. So Rhea, we actually just chatted last week um, during one of your virtual happy hour series. And thank you for having me on that, by the way. That was such an awesome experience. Um, But Yeah, so you said something that particularly resonated with me, um, which was, as a woman of color, the nuances of your behavior are constantly being analyzed. So like I said, we talked about that during the episode, but can you just elaborate on your experience with implicit and explicit biases as you enter the professional world as a woman of color? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Um, Yeah, I think it's really annoying to an extent because we have to strike this balance and I think that's what you know you can go either left or right and that's when you know society starts to kind of break down on you so the first thing I'll just say is you know the way that you talk that's the first thing you know you can't have an accent you have to you can't talk ghetto you gotta um you can't talk with slang you have to be extremely professional great vocabulary and just talk I guess in a white manner and um with no accent so you know if you have any kind of I don't even know like slight accent and which I did um 
it has to be changed because then people start to think that you're not good enough. So that's the first thing. Um, second thing is honestly the way that you dress. You know, clothing should be an expression. It should be a form of expression, but that's not necessarily seen that way in the workplace. Um, you know, you have to look good, but you also have to make sure you're not showing too much or um, you're not like wearing bright red to, um, you know, detract male workers from their work. So that's something that is another thing, you know, you have to be careful about the way that you dress. And then you also have to be careful about the way that you just conduct yourself. You know, maybe you said something, you have to be careful about what you say, to be honest with you, because if you say something that could be interpreted in a different way, um, that could be a whole HR case against you over something that you said, you know? So um, there's just these kind of nuances is the best way. Um, You have to be really careful about what you do, what you say, how you present yourself, because otherwise you might not be taken as seriously. And um, being a person of color, you know, you got to do, you got to make sure your hair is, as white as possible you know it has to be straight can't be super curly um so that's one thing um you just got to make sure that you don't you kind of erase your identity as a person of color in a way um to fit into this kind of white america corporate workspace yeah you described all that perfectly how do you anticipate dealing with misogyny and racism in academia as you prepare to go to college next year? Yeah, so I think it's all about just calling out the haters and calling out people who um, don't really know what they're saying. And it's not even calling out. It's also just being able to educate other people. And the best way to be able to educate other people is to educate yourself first. And so um, I think it's just about being able to tell people, hey, like this might not be right and um, this is what you can do to do better. Um, And just not taking no for an answer. Sometimes a lot of, you know, women and girls, they're always like, oh, like don't, it just take just you know move on and take no as an answer but um i think we need to move forward with the fact that no should not be taken as no and move on with educating other people and um educating ourselves in the process yeah i definitely agree with that and i think that's super important to consider as we we enter the college admissions process because like academia is a whole different sector of like misogyny and 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 implicit and explicit biases and racism and all of that stuff um so what schools do you think that you're looking to apply to and what advice would you give to people who are undergoing the college admissions process right now I mean so my <laughs> this year has been absolutely unconventional when it comes to college admissions and um you know the whole process I've almost prided myself in the last couple of years of like being very informed on what's going on in the college admissions and like having a really great plan but that kind of like slipped out from underneath me because of COVID but um honestly I think it's all about time management and keeping the motivation high and to be honest with you it's so hard to keep the motivation high I think that's like the the thing that's kind of affecting everyone, you know, most people are at home, they're trying to work, they're trying to contribute and help out their families um, in this really tough time. And I think it's all about just 
focusing and making sure that you know we can move forward and we can put our best foot forward in our applications and you know really portray our best selves I think that's what it's all about and from you know the people that I've talked to kind of in the college admissions space they really just say to be you and be authentically you because and I love this quote from Dr. Seuss but it goes um you are you that is truer than true there's no one alive that is your than you and I really think that that like translates beautifully into the college admissions process I think that's what it's all about just portraying who you are and you will find a college that meets your needs and best fit but I obviously can't say too much about this because I'm also um, undergoing the process myself Um, in terms of the schools that I'm applying to I have my list um, but I don't want to go too specific because I don't want to jinx myself but I'm looking at schools in um, the California area um, Boston New York and a couple down south yeah I felt that, like, just trying to keep the motivation. But thank you for that because you kind of just uplifted me into wanting to stay motivated and focusing. Yeah, so, like, what do you think prompted you to be a social activist and and really become involved in your community? Okay, this is going to sound so messed up, but honestly, college. I knew that I had to... um, do volunteering. I knew that that was a huge part of the application. And so I started getting involved. Honestly, the first thing that I started doing was my environmental activism. And so I got involved with the Princeton Student Climate Initiative around my um, area. I also started getting involved with like the New Jersey Student Climate Advocates. So a lot of like environmental activism. And I actually got the chance to research microplastics at Rutgers University, which was a really great experience for me. So I got to do that and it was really great. You know, I realized that I, this was something that I really wanted to do. But then I started to kind of take a step back and I was like, I know this is something I like to do, but I feel like it's not as meaningful. I mean, the environment is something I care about so much, but then I started to realize maybe I need to start doing things that affect me as Rhea Goyle. You know, who am I and what affects me and what do I need to be an advocate for in order to, you know, make my world a better place um, and to start making strides for, you know, someone that I'll be in the future so that really got me into feminism and I was you know always interested in feminism and um, you know all of the nuances of it but um, I got involved with Girl Up I went to an event in New York actually and then got connected to some of the people there and got to apply to become a teen advisor and I I, that's one of the best experiences of my life to be honest with you Um, from I actually got to I've been a Girl Scout my whole life um, so I got to go to the United Nations for a week as a delegate from Girl Scouts. And from there, I kind of networked my way into the job that I have with um, the working group on girls today. So that was that's always been such a great experience. We get to um, have town hall meetings. We get to um, 
do things around International Day of the Girl, go to CSW, which is the Commission on the Status of Women at the UN. So it's been really great, you know, all the stuff that I've done, but I think it all stems from an interest and an ability to make that interest into action. Um, you know, I can't even tell you ca- the amount of emails that I've written to other people, um, the amount of follow-ups and, you know, just it, it really does have to come within because if there's a will, there is a way. And then, you know, it kind of comes into fruition in ways that you might not expect. You know, I really didn't think that I'd be working kind of with the UN almost on a daily basis. And I never thought that I'd be... Um, you know, at these United Nations um, events and working with the UN Foundation Initiative. So I think that that's kind of why um, life takes your your interest into various different ways, but it works out for the best. So I think that that's kind of like my weird path to where I am um, today. And I'm also working on a couple of new things. I got to start another um, organization, Instagram type thing uh, with my friend Lugo from um, in Mexico called Geminism because I realized from all of my work that the feminist movement wasn't very intersectional and wasn't global. It was very Eurocentric. So um, that's something that I, you know, I'm very excited to keep working on. And I have a couple of other things up my sleeve that I can't just announce yet. But um, it's been really great to see where my original interest kind of taken me. Yes, I think that was so beautiful, so eloquent. I honestly couldn't have said it any better. Um, Let's see. So, Caitlin, do you have any more questions? I don't know. Like, I can't think of anything. I'm just, like, in awe right now. Yeah, Rhea's the best. Um, Well, if you don't mind, I have a few more, so we're just going to continue that on. Um... Yes, yeah, so let's see. There's you do so much that it's just so hard to just pinpoint. Um Yeah, so you talked about intersectional feminism and of course, like I said previously we talked about this on the virtual happy hour. So if anyone's tuning into this podcast and wants to go tune into that, you have to. We will link it in the website, um, on the episode description on the website, so make sure you go check that out. But like I was saying, um, back to intersectional feminism, how do you think intersectional feminism has shaped your views as a feminist and as a woman of color? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, and I think I said this exact thing on the happy hour, but um, I don't even know how I saw things before I learned about intersectionality. Um, It's honestly... I think the basis to understand any issue. Um, Intersectionality allows you to put yourself in the shoes of other people and um, not only empathize, but work together with other people and, um, you know, your shared experiences, but where you're different as well to um, come together with solutions that are truly going to impact communities at large and not just a specific sect of people. So I think that that's why intersectionality is so powerful and it really does allow us for to look at an issue through several lenses. I mean, you and me have totally different experiences, but we can take our shared experiences, bond on that and see what the problems are and then from there branch out into our own like unique experiences and um, really reflect and be able to come up with, you know, mechanisms for change that can work 
together, we can work together on to make um, solutions that are very viable and effective for communities. And so that, that was a very long answer. But I think that's where the power of intersectionality is so important. And I mean, being a person of color, it, you know, intersectionality is even more paramount, because if if we kind of approach, um, you know, issues with um, kind of the, the white systems and the system that white society has kind of placed for us, the constructs of society, right now they're in favor of people that don't have any color in their skin, white people. Um, they're not very favorable for people of color. So as a pe- person of color, it's almost my my responsibility to educate other people and then to use intersectionality to create solutions for change. So I think that's the best way of putting it. Yeah, I think you really described that perfectly. Um, I thought of a question. Um what advice would you give to non-people of color to help out with these issues in society? Right. I mean, I think that's a very valid question. And I think it's all about recognizing your privilege and then using that to be an advocate for others who don't necessarily have that privilege. And the best way to do that is through education. And I, I'll say it and I'll say it again. Education is the key to kind of everything. You know, um, I think it's really just about knowing how your privilege affects the way that you can live your life out and then understanding that not everyone has that privilege and their lives are negatively affected not negatively affected but it makes it harder for them to do anything that might come easy for you um you know for example you know if you walk across i mean something that i've heard about all the time is that people are uncomfortable if they're walking on the street with people of color but they will be totally okay and feel very safe if you know a person that's you know a white person is walking with them on the street so it's all about just being comfortable with people because <laughs> people are people at the end of the day it's it, we're, we're pretty much the same um but we're also very different and so recognizing those similarities and differences i think is the key to just moving forward and being able to um, use your privilege to be an advocate for others. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, Caitlin, that that's such a great question that you asked, because I think that it's super important to recognize that not just people of color or people who are disproportionately affected by um, societal stigmas, they shouldn't be the only people advocating for change and, and equity. Um, and I think that as, you know, more people become activists, more people become aware of the problems that plague our society, I think so many people think that it's like, if it doesn't affect me, I don't have to think about it. You know what I'm saying? And and understandably so, because if something doesn't affect you, what would prompt you to think about that? Um, And so like, that's why where Rhea said that education is so important, not only, you know, education in in the conventionally known sense of like go to school and learn math english and science but education outside of those things educations about social justice and and feminism and so social inequity um that type of education learning anything uh, you know gaining any new knowledge is education it's not just you know a's b's and c right and i mean i think that translates very well into 
our education system in America. I mean, we learn about American history year after year after year. I mean, I am tired of learning about the founding fathers and the Constitution and, you know, the Bill of Rights and all of that nonsense. I mean, I get it. I know. Like, if you ask me, you know, I could tell you everything about anything. Um, and that to me is that, you know, we we are so versed in white history but we never really learn about world history to start off with you know um it's almost as if like before 19 like 70 or 80 there were no colored people um besides black people in our country you know it was it's always like okay white people came over then they brought slaves which is terrible and you know and we still have that institutionalized racism today and um you know, come 19, like 80 to 2000. Oh, now we have like all of these, you know, other races and people here, you know, so we never learn about how our, you know, families came to this country. We never learn about like our culture, traditions and values. And that kind of makes us suppress and want to suppress our culture and our, our identity. And that's terrible. I mean, that's something we shouldn't have to do. That's why we're so insecure in who we are and who we should be growing into. And we are always assimilating to this culture and societal constructs that white America has set up for us. And so that's why it's so important to be able to learn about where you came from, you know, learn about your culture, your traditions, your values, and also learn about, um, you know, why other people's cultures traditions and values you know there's this you know no one is like totally educated there's always more to learn and I think that that's um what we need to you know kind of understand going forward whether that be you know if you're a male and you're listening to this you know talk to your female friends and you know and also like read articles about how like our rights are different how we're not being paid the same for the same amount of work um you know there's there's just obviously every single um problem that there is in the world has roots and we need to kind of cut those roots and move forward into better systems that are more equitable for everyone so i think it all comes from history though and not being able to learn about the history that, you know, might be important to some of the reasons why we have all of these issues today, um, that that's kind of counterintuitive to me for some reason. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. Um, Yeah, so I feel like we've touched so many topics today. Again, thank you so much for connecting with us. I can't wait to do more interviews. And, you know, with the uncertainty that COVID brings, I wish that we could meet in person and like connect, but We'll see if if any of us end up at the same college, right? Hopefully soon. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be so fun. Yeah, and we should definitely, like, once this is all over, hopefully soon, um, we should definitely connect. It'd be really great. I definitely agree. But thank you so much, Rhea, for being a part of today's episode. Um, Is there any closing thoughts that you want to just share with the audience? Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, really education, if you haven't kind of heard that from this whole podcast. I think it's about, you know, educating yourself and learning more about other people and gaining more perspectives. I think the best form of education is to be able to put yourself in the shoes of other people learn empathy and learn about the situations that other people are in because then you're 
you're able to make yourself a better advocate. You're able to understand where people have been, what they need, and how you can be almost an accelerant for those needs and be an advocate for change. So I'd say, yeah, education. And, um, you know, if you see something that needs to be changed in your community, don't be afraid to do it. You know, it, it's not just going to fix itself. And if you can do that, then do it. And honestly, you know, hold down barriers in taking charge of the things that you want to do. If you think that you want to do something, but you're really afraid of like writing an email or, you know, um, even like calling your town hall, uh, your, um, you know, town council or something like that. I mean, hold no barriers and just move forward with that. And, um, you know, the worst that they can say is no. So don't take no for an answer and keep moving forward with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, so thank you to everyone listening. Of course, remember to check out our website, www.fembolden.org, for more Fembolden news, episode descriptions, outreach programs, and donation links. Um, Yeah, and thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much, Faria, for being a part of today's episode. And yeah, remember, Mondays are for Fembolden. I'm Aria. I'm Katie. And we are Fembolden. Fembolden is a teen-led podcast where we discuss a variety of topics surrounding femininity, social activism, and adolescence. We want to encourage other young women to use their voices to call out issues within their community and on a global spectrum. We appreciate all of our support and believe that feminism should be open to all genders.